The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. John chapter 6, if you got your Bible, get it out. John chapter 6. We're starting a brand new series today called I Am. Somebody say, I Am. I am. And we're going to be looking at these seven I Am statements that Jesus makes in Scripture. And it's a, it, this is going to be a cool series because really it's Jesus according to Jesus. Uh, it's Jesus letting us know. You know, there's a lot of people that, that wonder what Jesus is all about, what Jesus is for, what He's against, what He wants to do in our lives, who He wants us to be. And so in this series... We're going we're gonna to discover what Jesus really is all about, what He wants of you, what He wants from you, what He wants to do through you. Uh, it's going to be really cool. And beyond just Jesus, I also want you to understand we're going to get a better understanding of who God is because Jesus is God. And, and I think it's easy sometimes for us to look at these I am statements of Jesus and we kind of focus in and we're going to spend, that's what the seven weeks is about, is focusing in on that, that second part, the I am the fill in the blank. I am the salt of the, you know, the salt and the light. I am the, the life, the way, the truth, and the life. I, I, we're going to look at that stuff. But it's also important for you to recognize the first part where he says, I am. Because in saying I am, what Jesus is declaring is that he is God. Some of you maybe remember this. In the book of Exodus, we have Moses. You guys remember Moses? You remember Moses? He was the guy that, that God used to lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian captivity. You know, they had the ten plagues. They had the, you know, the parting of the Red Sea. Moses, that's Moses. That's who I'm talking about. Well, before all of that, there's this moment where God meets Moses in this burning bush. And God is inviting him to this. He's saying, hey, you're going to be a part of something incredible. I'm inviting you to be a part of something incredible, which, by the way, that's what God is inviting you to today. God's inviting you to be a part of his story, what he wants to do, something incredible. He's inviting him into this. And Moses asks him a question. He says, okay, let's say that I do this. Let's say that I go before the Pharaoh, the most powerful man in this earthly world right now, and I say, hey, you know, I'm here on behalf of God. Let his people go. Who do I tell him sent me? Like, who is this God that I'm representing? And, and God says, tell him, I am sent you. Yeah. Says, so, so get this. When God is asked, who are you in the Old Testament? The name he gives for who he is, is, is I am. So in the Hebrew, that word is later translated into the Greek. And the Greek word used for this name, I am, is ego amai. Ego amai. Now here's what's interesting. In the New Testament, in, in the book of John, when Jesus gives these I am statements, when he says I am, every time he says ego amai. In other words, he's saying, hey, God is this. So it's important that you recognize as we look at this series over the next seven weeks, we're seeing who God is. And so, you know, this year, our, our focus is going to be on Jesus like never before. Like most of the series we're going to be doing this year are all Jesus-centered. That's, that's where we're going. We're going to be practicing the way of Jesus all year long. So get ready for this. Okay, John chapter 6. Let me set this up for you just a little bit. Jesus is doing some amazing stuff as he does. And his ministry is just ramping up more and more. As he moves towards the cross, as he moves towards this great day of our salvation, uh, the, the miracles and the stuff is just getting like um, incredible. And at the beginning of John, we have this miracle that's actually recorded. It's one of only a few miracles that's recorded in all four of the Gospels. And it's the miracle of him uh, taking these loaves and fishes and multiplying them. 
So if you know the story, there's, there's 5,000. The Bible says there's 5,000 men, but, but because they only recorded the men, there's somewhere between, you know, with women and children, there, there could have been as, as many as 20, 25,000 people there following Jesus. It was like Beatlemania, only it was Jesus mania, okay? All these people are following Jesus. And Jesus sees that these people need food, and they bring before him this basket with a few loaves of bread and a few fishes. And Jesus blesses it, takes it in his hands, multiplies it, and begins to feed these people. And everybody gets fed. Everybody. All these thousands of people are fed from one basket of food to the point that the Bible actually says that they're full and that there are multiple baskets left over. So everybody gets full, and there's more than they started with. That's a miracle, right? And so these people that are there that day, they recognize this is a miracle. Like, they, they, there's no denying it. Something incredible is going on. And so the, the fame of Jesus is just growing, and the people are just following him and with him all the time. And so Jesus does something interesting after this. He, he goes away, as he would do many times, to go away and to be alone. And he sends his disciples to cross the Sea of Galilee, and he's going to meet them uh, over on the other side. And so he goes, and people are following the disciples because they want to be around Jesus. And, and they get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus is there. And they're going, how did you get here? Because you weren't on the boat, and yet you're here now. So what took place? Well, what took place, we, it's, we, we're, we're not going to read it today, but is that whole walking on water thing? Like Jesus did that. So that's happening too. So Jesus is multiplying food. He's walking on water. People are getting healed. Like crazy awesome stuff is going on. And the people are going, who is this guy? Like they're starting to get a glimpse. This might be the guy we've all been waiting for, the Messiah, the one who's coming to take over and take control and build his new kingdom. Only he's going to build a kingdom that's a little different than what they think. Okay, so we'll pick it up. Verse 25. You with me, Sam? I'm with you. It says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, uh, when did you get here? <laughs> so they're kind of going, hey, uh, what just happened? Like, what did, this is a what just happened kind of moment there. Jesus answered, verse 26, very truly, I tell you, you are looking at me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So he speaks to that miracle of the multiplication of the food. He says, do not work for bread that spoils. If you have a physical Bible with you, I want you to underline this verse, highlight this verse, make a mark on this verse. This is an important verse. Do not work for bread that spoils, but for bread that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed the seal of approval. In other words, he's saying, hey, Jesus is, or God is approving of what I'm doing. Like God is endorsing my ministry. He's endorsing the work that I'm doing here in this, in this earth. Verse 28, then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. Somebody say, believe. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? So wait a minute. These are the people that have seen him multiply the fish. He's on the other side of the, of the water. They've seen all these men. I mean, they've been following him. They've seen him do some incredible stuff. And here they are going, hey, give us a sign. Like, but let me just tell you, this is kind of the nature of people. Like how many of you would say today, you have seen God show up in your life before. Without a doubt, you know God has shown up, many of us. And, and, and yet, there's also times, even after God's shown up, that something else shows up in our life, and we find ourselves going, God, are you, are you real? God, are you still available? That's kind of what these people are doing here. 
They said, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. We'll talk more about manna here in a little bit. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Manna is bread from heaven. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who's given you this bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Verse 33, for the bread of God is bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. There's a bread that brings life to the world. Verse 34, sir, they said, always give us this bread. Verse 35, then Jesus declared, and here it is. Here's the I am statement. I am the bread of life. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Somebody say it like you mean it. Say Jesus Jesus. is the bread bread of life. life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Only God can make a statement like that, right? Jesus is the bread of life. Of life. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for the opportunity we have to open up your word and to have a greater revelation of who you are, what you want to do, how you want to use us, what, how we can connect with you. Lord, we, we thank you that your word is, is an incredible gift. And we thank you that the author of your word, the Holy Spirit, is here and ready to reveal God to us in a greater way today. And so we pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. We thank you that we'll, we'll know you in a greater way and be able to walk out the life that you called us to in a greater way. Lord, we pray that what we know not, you'll teach us. What we have not, you'll give us. And what we are not, Lord, we, pr- we pray that you'd please make us. And we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The bread of life. We're talking about Jesus, the bread of life. Now, it's interesting because, you know, we live in a world today where bread is not that big of a deal. Like if we're being really honest, bread is kind of, it's great, but it's not like, you know, bread typically is not hard to find. Uh, Bread's not like very expensive. It's not like, man, I've been saving up for some bread. I've got some bread on layaway. Like that's not, we don't have to do that. Bread's pretty easy. In fact, you go to a lot of restaurants today and they just bring out bread. Like you, you sit down, you order some food, and then they'll be like, okay, I'll be right back with, with some bread for you. And they bring you out a little basket of bread. They put it on the table, and it's, it's bread. Like, it's great. It's cool. Bread. You know? And it's kind of a take it or leave it kind of thing. And it's not. What, what is it? It's, it's an extra. It's an addition to. It's something that is kind of take it or leave it. You don't have to eat it. But it'll, it'll tide you over until what you really ordered shows up. So this is kind of how we, how we tend to see bread. It's, it's, it's great, but it's not, you know... Very rarely do we go to a restaurant just for the bread. Like, I, I can even think of some places, restaurants I've been to that I like the bread. There's a place in Tennessee called Loveless Cafe that has some of the best biscuits I've ever had in my life, like crazy good biscuits. Uh, there was a place in Dallas me and Sarah used to go to all the time called Kenny's that had these popovers that were just unbelievably good. But even at those places, as good as the bread was, like, it wasn't the signature dish of the restaurant. Like, I was still going there to get the breakfast at Loveless. And when I went to Kenny's, I was going to get steak and to get, you know, seafood scallops. I, I wasn't going there just for the... It was a nice addition, but it wasn't the focal point. And when the Bible talks about bread, it is not a side dish. When the Bible speaks to this idea of bread, it's not a throw-in. It's not just an addition to bread. It is like a very important main essential thing when the Bible speaks to it. In fact... Bread, if you're taking notes, write this down. Bread is like the sustenance of life. That's what bread is in Scripture. 
It's a picture of, of the sustenance of our life. It's a picture of something that's designed to bring strength and nourishment and provision and supply and purpose. That's what bread is a picture of in Scripture. And so Jesus comes along and he says, I'm the bread of life. He's saying, hey, I'm not just a, an addition to. I'm not just a, you know, take it or leave it kind of resource for your life that you can order other stuff, and if you want to throw in some Jesus here and there, you can do that too. Now, Jesus is saying, hey, you need to see me the right way. The right. Bible has a lot to say about bread. In fact, bread is mentioned in Scripture 300 plus times. Bread. Is it, aren't, you, aren't you grateful I'm talking about? I'm preaching this message on bread before the fast began. It starts tomorrow. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bread. It's a big deal. In fact, in the Bible, the first time we see bread is mentioned in Genesis 3. This is after the fall of man and sin. Adam and Eve sin. They disobey God. And because of that, sin enters into the world. And because sin enters into the world, a curse is now on the world. And God is, is letting him in on what the curse is going to look like. He says this in verse 19. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, till you die. In other words, God is saying, from now on, this stuff... This, this part of your life that where you've been able to have provision and nourishment and strength and supply and it's been very easy, now it's not going to be as easy because of sin. Now it's going to take a little bit more effort. It's going to take some work on your behalf in order for you to actually experience this God kind of life that I want you to experience. It's going to take some of your effort. Why? Because bread is a, is a big deal, but now it's going to be a little bit more difficult because of sin. There's a story in Luke chapter 19, or I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 19, verse 3, where these angels show up and Lot is entertaining these angels. He's like bringing angels in for dinner, which is an interesting situation. And so he's going to feed these angels. And it says this, Genesis 19, verse 3, says, Then he made them a feast. So he's feeding angels a feast. And look what it says, And baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Bread is the only thing on the menu, and it's called a feast. I'm trying to show you Bread's a big deal in Scripture. When the Bible talks about bread, it's not just the throwaway. We, we see it through this, this lens of how we see bread. You can't see it that way. You have to see it through the lens of Scripture. The Bible talks about many times Jesus eating with his disciples. And what does it say? It says that he broke bread with them. When the Bible talks about the, the, the book of, in the book of Acts, it talks about the church growing and the church continuing to, to, uh, to, to move and to expand. It says that they went from house to house breaking bread together. Remember when we, we just took of communion just a moment ago. What is communion? We take of the bread, we take of this bread that reminds us of, of the body of Jesus and this juice that reminds us of the blood of Jesus. And in the, in when this, it's a picture of what took place at the Last Supper, which notice it's called the Last Supper. It's not called the Last Communion Meal. It's called the Last Supper. It was a supper. And the only thing on the menu at the Last Supper was bread. What I'm trying to get across to you is bread is a big deal. Turn to the person beside you and say, bread's a big deal. And Jesus, listen, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Jesus comes along and he says, hey, bread's a big deal. This stuff that you see is a big deal. This stuff that you see is a sustenance in your life that's, that's a picture of, of your supply, your provision, your power, that, I'm, I'm that. I'm that to you. Listen, Jesus is not just something that you can just kind of add to your life if you really feel like it. He's not like that basket of bread that gets put on the table that it's kind of like, eh, take it or leave it. You know, if I get hungry enough, I might reach in there and grab me a little bit of Jesus. You know, if things get desperate enough. 
But I'm ordering up something else. Like, really, I've, I've got something else I'm ordering, but this is nice to have around in case I really need it. This is how we see Jesus sometimes. So listen, Jesus is not just the basket of bread. He's the main entree. Listen, Jesus is the signature dish of God. He's the main thing, and he's the only one who can really sustain you. He's the only one who can truly satisfy you and bring satisfaction to your life. I'll try to illustrate this a little bit further. Uh, Sarah and I have three children. My son Gus is 13. My daughter Bo is 10. My other daughter, Sunny, she's 8. And uh, when you have three kids, from time to time, you have to go get fast food. And I see some of you young people in here that don't have kids yet looking at me with judgmental eyes. Listen, you calm down, okay? You think, you think I'll, I will never give my children fast food. Yeah, I thought that too. Gus didn't have McDonald's for the first three years of his life, but we made up for lost time. He's had a lot now. Because you have to. Sometimes when you've got a lot of kids, you just got to get some fast food. Amen. <laughs> and when you get fast food, I don't know, some of you dads, maybe you can relate to me, maybe some moms, but going through the drive-thru, that's an intense thing. Like there's a lot of tension in that moment for me. I get a little edgy. Because there's a lot riding on this. Like, if I don't get this right, like, people are going to go, people are going to starve. <laughs> so we got to get this right. And so, uh, so we have to make, first of all, we have to make a decision. Where are we going to go? And this just, again, young parents in here, let me just let you in on something. Your, your family will never agree on anything. They're not going to agree. If you ask the kids, hey, where do you guys want to go? You're going to get three different answers, and it's going to cause a fight. So here's what you do. You look to your wife, and you say, where are we going? I'm, I'm helping you today. <laughs> and so she tells you, and then you relay the information. And so this is what I like to do. I, like, I don't want to pull up to that window and let my kids see all the stuff and then start trying to figure this out. No, no, no. We're going to rally early, okay? So on the way there, I start having a conversation. I start bringing the car into order. And I say, all right, you guys be quiet. Everybody hush. Hey, hush. <laughs> Shuddy back there. Shuddy. Shuddy's a word in our house. Shuddy. Be quiet. All right, listen up. We're going to, you know, this place over here, and I want to know what you want. Uh, one at a time. One at a time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you what you want. One at a time. When I call your name, one at a time, you're going to tell me what you, what you want. You've been here before. You know what they have. You're going to tell me what you want, and then when we pull up and you see that menu, I don't want you to, you keep your mouth shut. I love you. You keep your mouth shut. Daddy loves you, but you shut up. Okay, one at a time. And then as soon as I'm done with this, they all start barking out their order to me. It's like, no, 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 hold on. Hey, hope you be, be quiet. Hush, shutty. All right, shutty. All right, Gus, what do you want? And then he gives me his order, and he passes it on to me, and Sarah's there. She's my help meet. She's there to help me with the meat that we're about to order. And it's bad joke, bad pastor joke, bad pastor joke. Stay strong. I'm, I'm going to keep going, though. Grace is sufficient. Amen. Here we go. So, so she, I get Gus's order, I get Bo's order, I get Sonny's order, Sarah's order, my order. And so now, now the baton has been handed to me, but it ain't over yet. Now I got to pass the baton to the restaurant. And listen, I can control my car. I can bring my car, my car under authority. This next part, I ain't, I ain't done yet. This is not over. Now I've got to deal with all sorts of stuff that I cannot control. I can't control what kind of speaker system this fast food place is going to have. 
Most of them were installed in the 1800s. I'm convinced of that. I can't control the level of staff that I'm going to be dealing with here. And so how many know you pull up sometimes to get some fast food and you pull up to the little menu and there's just, no, just nothing. They don't say a word. You got your window down and there's just nothing. And so now you're going, am I waiting? What do I do? He- Hello? I don't know now. Okay, something's happened. But I don't know what's happened. Did they tell me to hold on? Did they tell me to go ahead with my order? I have no idea. So you're just kind of going, okay, here it goes. And you just start barking out. You just start giving them your order, right? And so I get through the whole order. And then at the very end, they ask me a question. Just about every fast food place I go to, the very end, I, I place my order. And then they ask me a question. Would you like some? And then fill in the blank with that. Most of the time, it's related to some kind of sauce. It's an extra it's an addition to. It's something that they're offering me to, to, to bring more flavor to what it is that I'm really ordering. So all hell breaks out in my car at this moment because <laughs> everybody's giving out. Now everybody just free for all, just bar- free for all, free for all. That's a Sarah word, free for all. Not free for all, free for all. It's a free for all. Everybody's just barking out their sauce orders, so we got to bring it all back. But anyways, here's my point, here's my point. The sauce is an addition to. It's an extra, it's a freebie. It doesn't cost me anything. It's designed to enhance what I've already ordered. Now, let me, let me throw another scenario at you. I want you to imagine that you go to one of these fast food places and all you order is sauce. So you pull up to Chick-fil-A and you're like, okay, give me, uh, give me five Chick-fil-A sauces and two of the honey roasted barbecue sauces, which if you don't know, now you know. And just so you know, that sauce is from heaven. Like, there's a pool in heaven of that and they just... They have a direct supply. It's good stuff. But I, let's just, I just ordered that sauce, and I get done. They're probably going to come back over the intercom system and say, um, sir, would you like some chicken to go with that? Or if I go over to Arby's, sauce, or Arby's and I say, hey, I, I want, you know, give me five Arby sauces and three horsey sauces. Horsey sauce. Somebody say horsey sauce. Horsey sauce. I love that I can do that. <laughs> They're probably going to say, hey, would you like some roast beef with that, right? Why? Because they understand that the sauce, listen, the sauce was not designed to satisfy. If you're taking notes, write this down. The sauce doesn't satisfy. And what happens so often is we build our life backwards. And what we do is we see God, listen, we see God as the sauce, We see him as something that's designed to flavor what we really want to order up for our life instead of seeing God as the main attraction, the signature dish of God, the main thing that really can satisfy and sustain and all the other stuff as as sauce that God wants to give us but that is flavored through him. He's the main thing. The main thing's got to be the main thing because none of this other stuff, all the rest of this stuff, it's sauce. And it can't satisfy you. The possessions of this world, the achievements of this world, all of that stuff, it can't satisfy you. Only God can really bring true satisfaction and fulfillment and supply and sustenance to your life. But so often we live our life backwards. And we're trying to order up 
the sauce and we're trying to build our life on the sauce and we think that, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to build our life, you know, ordering all these things and we'll just add a little, a, little, a little God to that here and there. And we're building a life that's backwards and it, it can't supply. And so we find ourselves dissatisfied with life. We find ourselves barely able to get through in life because we're not filling up on the right stuff. Listen, I'm not saying that sauce is bad. I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to have good things and doesn't want to help you in life. But, but he, you can't build your life on the things of this world. It's not enough. You've got to build your life on Jesus. And so I wonder how often God looks at our life and He looks at the way that we're ordering up our life and He looks at us and He says, Hey, um, would you like some God with that? Like He looks at the way that we're doing our marriage. And he says, hey, I'd, I'd love to help you in your marriage. I see you struggling. I see you guys fighting all the time. I see you having a hard time connecting. W would you like some, some God with that? Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing. When I say, would you like some God with that, I'm not just saying, would you like a, a little bit of God? Like, we're not talking about sprinkling God. We're talking about building your life on God, yeah. building your marriage on God, making him the firm foundation so that he can bring it into his order. God looks at us struggling with how to raise our kids and how to manage our time and all these things, and he's going, would you like some God with that? Would you like me to be involved in your life this year? As you look at 2022, let me ask you something. Would you like some God with that? Do you want some God in your life in 2022? Then listen, listen, you got to see God the right way. God is not a sauce. God's the main thing. He's the signature dish of God, and He has to be the one you're ordering up. He has to be the one that you're saying, God, I want you. I'm going to build my life on you. I'm gonna, everything I do is going to be done through you. Jesus is the bread of life. He's the bread of life. Now, when the Bible talks about Jesus being the bread of life, when He makes this statement, that word that He uses for life is the word zoe. And it means it's the God kind of life. Now, you maybe you hear that, and you're, if you're new to the things of God, maybe you're going, oh, what does that mean? That sounds kind of scary and intimidating and not very fun. Like the God kind of life? Like is that where, you know, I'm just kind of miserable and struggling and, you know, making the most of not, not getting to do anything that I want to do and, and just kind of trying to make this you know, person in heaven that's distant from me, happy. Listen, if that's how you see this, then you're seeing God the wrong way. You're drinking the sauce. What God wants to do is he wants you to put your attention on him, set your focus on him, build your life around him, and then now through him, he can give you the desires of your heart. Now he can actually, those things, those dreams that you have in your heart, you can actually see them met. And when they're met, they're actually met in a way through him where they can actually be satisfying. But apart from him, they're of no value. Apart from him, they're never going to sustain. They're never going to satisfy. It's never going to be enough. But, but very often we think, oh, a life with God is a life where I have to lay down all my dreams. Just so you know, that's a, that's a sauce way of thinking. Because the reality is, in this world, apart from God, most people give up. Statistically, they give up on their dream at 25. 25. And people are just done. You know why? Because as they're moving towards this idea of what they think their dream is, they're finding it's a lot harder to attain than they thought it was going to be. And even as they, they, they kind of meet some of the marks that move them towards this goal, they find that none of it is satisfying, none of it is fulfilling. And so they say, what's the point? And they just kind of give up and decide to live a life where they just kind of move into a rut, move into a ditch, and I'll just live until I die. Like the only reason I'm living, because I ain't died yet. 
Mark Twain said it like this. He says, most men die at 27. We just don't bury them till they're 72. So we're dead early, but we're not dead dead. We're just kind of dead. Our dreams are dead. Listen, God doesn't want to kill your dreams. He wants to refocus your dreams through Him so that as you move through your life, you find rich and satisfying life. That's what Zoe life is. It's a rich and satisfying life that is centered on Jesus Christ. Jesus at the center of it all. It's a life that is transcendent. It moves beyond just you and impacts the world around you. A rich and satisfying life. That's what Jesus wants you to have. And so because that's what Jesus wants you to have, He wants you to see Him the right way and He wants you to see the world the right way. That's why Jesus says in verse 27, look back at this. He says, Do not work for bread that spoils. This bread of life that Jesus is offering you, it, it can't be spoiled. But, but the, so often we focus our attention and our life on this bread that is spoiling. We try to kind of build our life around the Lord. But we, we build it on things related to God, but not necessarily fully surrendered to God. Let, let me try to illustrate this for you. Like a couple of things that are bread that, that spoils are things like religion. Religion is a bread that spoils. Like God, listen, God, Jesus did not die on the cross so that you could have a religion. Jesus died on the cross so that you could have a relationship with God. So you could know him and walk with him and be close to him. And yet so often what we want to do is we want to kind of have our life and have this section over here. Like our life is this big pie chart. And over here there's this section. And this little section here, this is my religious section. This is my God section. And in this section, this is where, you know, I, I do my religious activities. I go to church. You know, I'm there two out of every 12 services. I'm there. I'm going to church. You know, I'm, every once in a while, I'm there. Religious. Uh, I, I pray, you know, Father, Lord in heaven, hallowed be the name of the kingdom, will be done. Or does it have you say, break, let's, let's go team. Like, we, we, we read the Bible, okay, I got to get this done, like Jesus, so what's my daily reading plan, let's get through this as quickly as possible. Okay, cool, good, good, good. This is religion. Uh, a definition of religion is doing a God thing without God. And so often that's what we try to do. We try to do our life, but we really don't, aren't trying to do it with God, we're just trying to appease God. But, but it's not centered around, hey, God, let's walk together in this. Yeah. So again, religion, doing a God thing without God. You, you know, there's a lot of activities that we participate in as Christians that we don't invite God to that we operate in religious activities. For example, you know that marriage is a God thing? Yeah. Like God's the one who came up with marriage. That was His plan, His design. And yet so often we are building our marriage and God is no part of our marriage whatsoever. Husbands, are, are you building the image of how you are a, a husband and a father in your home based on what the Word of God says? Wives, are you doing that? Because if you're not, listen, you may be doing a God thing without God, and it's a religious activity. You know, raising kids is a God thing. The Bible is very clear. God wants us to train up children in the way they should go. God wants us to release them and prepare them for the world. How are we doing on that? How many of you, you going to church, but, you know, that, that's something that the church is doing. That's something that my wife is doing. But you're not really involved in that. It's just kind of, you know, you're doing a God thing without God. It's, it's religion. So often this is what we do. Anytime you do anything without God, it's a God thing without God. And so much of your life, listen, God wants to be involved in it. In your finances, in your, in your success, like God has all this stuff for you. But when you do it apart from God, you're practicing Religion, and listen, when you practice religion, it spoils. It's rotten. 
It's not going to sustain. It's not going to satisfy. There's not enough there because it's just built on your effort and it's not connected to God. It's bread that spoils. Another bread that spoils that a lot of people want to build their life on today is, is the bread of politics. Yes, I'm going there. And I'm going there because I need to. Because I see so many people today and they're their, their Zoe life is built around the political climate of the United States of America. God have mercy on you every four to eight years. Like, listen, it is, just so you know, Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back to a world that's a mess. And we're, gonna, we're, we're here. And listen, I, we need to be political in, our, in a sense that we need to vote and we need to pray for our leaders and we need to stand up for what's right. I'm not telling you not to do that. But if, you're, if your Zoe life is built around the political climate of the world today and your joy and happiness is, is on who's in office, oh my goodness, get ready for a bumpy road. It's not going to be good. It's a man-made system. And it's going to spoil. It's going to be rotten. It's not going to last. And so the question is, you know, we sing songs, Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus over everything. Yes, that's a great, I love that lyric. Yeah. (laughs) But is it true? Like, is it more than a lyric to you? Is it your life? Because listen, in this hyper fake, gosh, we live in a fake world. You guys know that, right? Like Instagram is so fake. So fake. I hope you're teaching your kids about social media and how fake this is because it's so fake. Like 99% of what's out there is not true. And we live in this hyper fake sauce world where it's this fake like, ah, this is what you need to achieve. This is what you need to go after. This is what you need to pursue. Sauce, 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 fake sauce. It will not sustain you. There is a bread that can though. It's Jesus it's his word. It's his ways. So how do, we, how do we build our life on the bread? How do we partake of this bread of life that Jesus offers you, that can sustain, that can provide for you? How do we do it? Jesus said it in verse 35. Whoever comes to me, whoever comes to me, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. If you want to receive of the bread and life and, and, and partake of this sustaining life that God wants to give you, you've got to come to Jesus and you've got to believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus and you go to Jesus and you keep going back to Jesus and you keep going back to Jesus because you believe in Jesus. You don't just come to Him once and then you kind of do your thing. You come to Him and you keep coming to Him. Let me break this down for you. You have to believe in Jesus, first of all. Whoever believes in me, you have to believe in Jesus. You have to believe in what Jesus did for you. That, That the work of the cross was a work that was done for you. That the bread of life is a bread that's available to you. It's for you. For you. Not for the, it's for the world, but it's for you. You have to believe that. You have to believe that. Uh, John 6, 29. The work of God is this, to believe in the one that he sent. Do you believe? Is your faith in Jesus? Is your faith in this world, is it rooted in Jesus? Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Somebody say, Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. So you got to believe in Jesus. But, but it's interesting because be, this believing thing, thing is not just a once and done thing. In fact, it's interesting in John uh, 6 when it talks about believing in the first half of the, of, the, of the chapter, when it speaks to this idea of believing, the understood idea is that it's like a, it's a once and for all. 
So it's a picture of like your initial conversion to Jesus Christ, the moving from death to life at salvation. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life and you're born again, it's that picture. That's a, that's a once and for all thing. That's, if you've done that, you made that decision, you're in Christ Jesus, you've been saved, you've been made new. But then the second half is a continual believing. It's a continuing, it's a keep coming back to Jesus. This is where you have to, number two, you have to go to Jesus. You have to go to Jesus in prayer. You have to go to Jesus and say, God, I, I want some of you. I want all of you in my life. God, I'm going to go to you in worship because I want all of you. I, want, I don't just want some of you. I'm order, you're the main dish. and I'm ordering you up in my life because I need you. I want all of you in my life. I'm going to go to your word. And I'm going to read it and I'm going to study it. And I'm going, to, I'm going to partake of it because I recognize that it's life to those who find it. That's what the word says. It's life. So I'm going to get in it because I, I need you. I need you. I'm going to build my life on you. I'm going to build my life on the rock of your word. I'm going to get in this word. I'm going to dig. I'm going to dig. And, and you have to do that. You have to do it. It's interesting. In John 6, the, the, the people are talking to Jesus and they say, they remind him of the manna. Remember that? Talking about the manna? Manna is such a great picture of this because manna is this picture of how God supplies us. In, in the Old Testament, Exodus, you can look at this, Exodus chapter 16, the people of, of Israel have escaped Egyptian captivity. They've crossed the Red Sea and now God has them in this wilderness place. And the wilderness is a picture of a land that cannot provide for them what is necessary. The land cannot sustain them. Listen, you are living in the wilderness right now. What, what you need to sustain you cannot be found in this world that you live in today. It's found in Jesus. So these people are in the wilderness. And so Jesus, God wants to su sustain them. He wants to provide for them. So he provides this manna. It's called bread from heaven that rains down and is on the land every day. Now here's the miracle of the manna. The miracle of the manna was in them having to go out and collect it daily. Every day, if they wanted to protect, the manna was there. The life was there. The sustaining life of God was available. But they had to go out. They had to collect it. And they had to bring it home. God didn't just provide it. Now, think about this. It's interesting because the Bible talks about how well, while they're in the wilderness, their shoes don't wear out and their clothes don't wear out. So God's doing something miraculous with their, with their gear, right? He's keeping them looking good in their gear while they're in the wilderness. But, but so, so why doesn't he just make it where they're not hungry? Like he's God. He could do that. Just sustain them supernaturally. They don't have to eat anything. They're just supernaturally sustained. For 40 years, they don't have to eat a thing while they're in the wilderness. But he doesn't do that. He also doesn't just provide where the manna just shows up on their plates every day inside their tents. He doesn't do that. In order for them to have the manna, they have to leave their tent, they have to go out, they have to get it, and then they have to bring it back. The leaders of the home have to go out, they have to collect the manna, and they have to bring it back for the rest of their family, which, by the way, makes me start thinking about how we're leading our families. How are you doing with this, parents? Are you being a breadwinner in your home? We think of breadwinner, we think of the person who goes out and makes a living, makes some money, and provides for the family. That's great. I'm glad you're doing that. But how are you doing spiritually with your family? Are you the breadwinner spiritually for your family? Fathers, let me talk to you for just a minute, because I'll be honest, a lot of men are shirking this responsibility. They've handed it over to the church. They've handed it over to the wife. But that's not what God's called you to do. Listen, God, I, I am not going to stand before God and, and give an account for how your children were raised in your home. I'll give an account for what happens in here. And so I'm doing everything we can with that back there. But God's going to look at you and He's going to say, how did you do? So here's a question for you. 
and this can fathers or mothers, when, you're, when your kids think of you, do they think if I've got a question and I go to mom and dad, they're not just going to give me some advice, but they're going to give me godly advice. And they're going to pray for me. And they know how to pray. And they know what the Word of God has to say. And their life is built on the firm foundation of the Word of God. Do your kids see you that way? Are you the spiritual leader of your home? You will give an account for that. You will stand before God for that. So you know what that tells me? That tells me that when we're ordering up some God, we can't just order just enough for ourselves. you got to order a little bit extra so that you can give it away. you got to collect enough in you that you can give it to your home, give it to your family. I'm preaching better than your amen to me this morning. It's a big deal. The man is available. The bread of life's available. Are you collecting it? Are you going out to get it? And you got to get it every day. Because you know what would happen if you didn't get it every day? What was left would rot. You couldn't, you couldn't count on yesterday's manna for today. In the same way, listen, you can't just be like, well, you know, I, I had a great, you know, few months there in 2022 at the very beginning, but now, you know, things are getting busy again and I'll just kind of lean on that. No, 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 that's not going to be enough. That's why we got these transformation journals. This is not going to end in 21 days. This is going to go all year. We're inviting you to this all year because you need daily bread. Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, our daily bread. Every day, this day. You got to go get it every day. And you got to get enough for you. And you got to get enough for your family. And you got to get enough for the world around you because it's not just for you. The bread's not just for you. The bread of life for us as Christians is supposed to be something we're bringing to the world that desperately needs something that can sustain. And the good news is there's more than enough, it's available. And what you need is not just available for today, it's available for tomorrow. It's available for the future. I read this story this week about World War II. Uh, I'm, I, I'm fascinated with World War II. I like to study and look at the stories of World War II. But there's a story I was reading about. During World War II, there was this group of, because of what happened with the concentration camps and just all of the, the fighting in Europe, there were all these orphans that ended up being out and about and just kind of, um, it was a mess of orphans. There were all these war orphans. And, and not only were they orphans, but they had been through some very traumatic stuff. Some of them were in a concentration camp and then were out. They saw their parents die. They saw terrible stuff, and it, and it marked them. There were some of them that were just in war-torn Europe, and, and they were just barely getting by, very, barely surviving. So there's all these orphans, and they're wanting to help these orphans. So they start building these orphanages, and they want to provide these atmospheres where they can help these kids and, and provide love and, 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 and help them. But they're finding that as they bring these kids in, even though they're providing everything, these kids are so scarred by the stuff that's happened to them, they're just failing to thrive. And in fact, these kids, they'd, they'd feed them and they'd find that kids are storing food in their pockets. Some of them are leaving food in their cheeks because they're so used to not having enough. There's this fear of what tomorrow may hold. And so this psychologist comes along and he says, what if we did this? What if we started giving these kids a loaf of bread every night when they go to bed? So they could go to bed with a loaf of bread. And so they were like, well, let's give it a shot. And so these little kids would get a loaf of bread like a teddy bear. And they'd go to sleep and they would sleep with a little loaf of bread. And it said that like overnight things began to change. Why? Because now these kids had an understanding that what they needed for tomorrow had already been provided and was in their hands. Listen. What you need, I don't, I don't know what you need for 2022. I don't know what you need for tomorrow, but I know this, Jesus is available. Specifically what you need, I don't know, but I know this, what you really need 
is the bread of life and it's available and you can have it and you can have it now if you're willing to take your attention off the things of this world. I love that they didn't give those kids teddy bears. That wouldn't have helped them. See, that's what we think. We need the stuff of this world. If I just had a teddy bear, if I just had this, if I just had worldly possessions, if I just had worldly success, if I just had that, but that, that won't sustain. We need the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life, and he offers you the bread of life. And listen, it's free. It's free. It costs you nothing. It costs Jesus everything. It cost him the cross. But you can have it for free. You can partake of the bread of life. And if you've never done that before, I want to help you with that today. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.